Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. God, we're inadequate, Lord Jesus, with our words to be able to. God, pour, Lord, our blessings of adoration, Lord, upon you. Hallelujah. We love him today. Amen. Amen. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Worship you, King. Worship you, King. Amen. We can turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6 today. Proverbs, chapter number 6, verse 12, starting where we have started the past few Sundays. As a reminder, there is no service this evening. This is fifth Sunday, which is a.m. service. So no service this evening. Proverbs 6, verse 12, starting, the Bible says, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a forward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart. Deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Remember, this list is not an exhaustive list. It's just kind of a sample list. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, false witness that speak of lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren several weeks ago i told you i believe there is an absolute correlation between the idle man the one that's naughty wicked and the one that are that may be doing these things the lord hates that the wicked naughty person i believe is the one that's taking action of things that the lord of hates matter of fact when you look at the two lists between proverbs 12 through 15 and then that one between 16 and 19 we denoted that wicked naughty person walketh with a forward mouth last week we looked at the concept of lying right we looked at a lying tongue and so this week i'm not going in the order here of scripture i'm again pairing up with that which pertains to the mouth and going to look at a false witness false witness that speak of lies so i want to today talk about a false witness amen that almost seems a little ironic to say i want to talk about a false witness there you have to get up early in the morning to be with me, folks. I'm telling you right now. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Jesus, today. Lord, let your word become alive to our lives, oh Lord Jesus, in this Bible lesson this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that we be able to take the truths, oh Lord Jesus, of your word and apply them, God, where they can and ought to be applied in our individual lives and in the life of the church. No, God, they are here, Lord, to, God, help us and make us better if we will, Lord Jesus, follow, Lord God, the words of these scriptures and apply them, God, that we will be better people. We'll be a better church, God, as a result of it. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. 
God, I thank you, Lord, you cared enough, God, that you gave, gave us something, Lord, a spoken word here, written, Lord, that we could read, understand as though Christ is speaking to us, and he is. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. So last week was about a lying tongue. And this week we want to talk about a false witness that speaketh lies. And it may be appear this morning that both of those may be very, very similar. And perhaps they both are to a certain degree because they both concern something that happens or that takes place that's done with our mouth or our lips or our tongues, both lying and a false witness pertains to that. However, on the same token, one is just a broader category that the other fits inside of one is a broader category that the other just fits inside of a lying tongue in reality is the broad category uh, the broad category a lying tongue a person a person could lie about they could lie about themselves lie about their own abilities their uh, you know lie on the resume they could lie about themselves or a person could tell a lie about inanimate objects such as a, a sign uh, the person sat along the side of the road and said, Officer, that sign said, that sign said 55, not 45. You know? And so you, you could lie about different things like that. But a false witness is a specific lie. A false witness is a specific lie that is told usually about someone else. It's told about someone else. Other things that fall underneath the heading of a false witness or that could be categorized even as a false witness could be slander could be considered a false witness gossip absolutely could be could be labeled a false witness criticism criticism could be a false witness tailbearing could be a false witness and regardless of whatever subheading that might be under a false witness, we understand in Scripture that God hates a false witness that speak of lies. Proverbs says it's, a, it's a, an abomination to him. Abomination to him. And this morning, just for a little bit, I would like to, I'd like to survey uh, the different levels or the different ways that God might despise a false witness or false witnessing. Number one, here's some of the ways we're going to consider this morning. Number one, it goes against his nature of truth. It goes against God's nature of being true. He is truth. Secondly, this very tool of false witnessing was used in an attempt to charge Jesus Christ in a court of law to put him to death. This, this tool of false witnessing was. Number three... It's an outright disobedience to the moral law of God. One of the commandments of the ten is thou shalt not bear false witness against thy... It's an outright disobedience to the law of God. And fourthly, and we have seen this in those that we have walked through so forth, so forth pride and a lying tongue, this one as well. Fourthly, once again, to practice this, we are acting like the devil. No one, no one, anytime I say that, everybody just cringe, acting like the devil. Yes, whenever we have pride, whenever we're lying, or whenever we function in the role of a false witness, we're acting like the devil. And so here is the thing this morning. In whatever function, in whatever relationship 
that God chooses to operate in. And when I say functional relationship, if he is operating in the role or the function as the father of creation or the originator of creation, or if he's functioning in the relationship of the son of God being the redeemer, of all mankind or if he's functioning in the role of the Holy Spirit that spirit that regenerates our life or that spirit that the Bible says whereby we are sanctified whatever whether he's operating any of those roles he is operating as truth he is operating as true the Bible says in John 4 that the father sought worshipers to worship him in spirit and in in spirit and in truth. In First John, or John chapter number 1 rather, the Father's only begotten Son, the Bible said. We beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and... full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. In John 14, Jesus said, The Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, is the spirit of truth. Amen. So regardless what relationship, what row he is functioning in, he is a God of truth. He is true. The Bible says in Jeremiah 10 and verse number 10, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. Jeremiah here is delivering the word of the Lord to the house of Israel in Jeremiah 10. And this verse begins with a contrasting word there, that conjunction, but, because the verses prior to verse number 10, the Lord is speaking to his people about false gods. He tells them basically, and you can read it for yourself, the first nine verses, that the heathen, that they cut down a tree in the woods, they fashion it with an axe and they make it a work of their hands and they adorn that piece of wood with silver or with gold or with jewels and they fasten that piece of wood with nails so it will not, and well not will not, but does not move, will not be tipped over. And so they have this false god that stands very tall, he says, but it cannot speak and, and it must be carried by someone if it's going to go anywhere. And so he basically says all that and then says, Israel, house of Israel, don't fear the false gods then. They, they can't do any evil and they can't do anything that's good either. He says, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. He tells them your God is a true God, not a false God. He is a living God, not a dead God. He is an everlasting king, if you will. He's not a temporary stump. <laughs> he's not a temporary stump. Not only is God true, he's telling them, not only is God true in the sense of being real, but he is true in the sense of being truthful. That's important. It's just not that he's not false, but he's true in the sense of being truthful. Some of the captains in Jeremiah and their armies even spoke to Jeremiah at one time in Jeremiah 42. They said, the Lord be a true, and watch this now, and faithful witness between us. See, a false witness goes against everything about who God is. He's a true and a 
faithful witness. And so Solomon even shows the contrast here between the faithful witness and a false witness in the book of Proverbs by paralleling, paralleling one against the other. In Proverbs 14 and 5, Solomon shows the contrast. He says, a faithful witness will not lie. He says, but a false witness will utter lies. I mean, it just kind of comes out his mouth, pours, and any other little orifice he has in his body. He just, he utters lies, but a false witness will not lie. Well, God is a faithful witness. He will not lie. And so that contrasts greatly with a false witness who utter lies. So it totally goes against the nature of God. And so that gives us a little insight to why this is one of those things that God despises. One of those things that God hates. It's against who he is. It's against his nature. Furthermore, Paul in the New Testament, he exclaims in Romans 3, 4, he said, Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. In Revelations 3, Jesus tells John to write to the angel of the church of the Eleusians that the faithful and the true witness is addressing the church at Laodicea. Amen. In other words, he charges them. He charges them with some things, how they thought they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. He said, but you're blind and you're wretched. Amen. He charges them with their sin. He charges them with the things that they were going wrong. And so John, by the instruction of the Lord, wanted these people to understand my charge against you isn't a false charge because the one who is charging you is the faithful and the true witness. So the charges I bring against you are not a hoax. They're not untruthful because the faithful witness is the one that's speaking. Amen. It's the faithful witness that's the one that's speaking. He is the faithful and true witness. He warned them. This isn't, this isn't a person's estimation, amen, of Laodicea. This is God's faithful and true witness of the church in Laodicea and that group of people. It's an unbiased witness it isn't a false witness and so they said this is he who is faithful and isaiah prophesied this of that one that was faithful that one that was faithful isaiah prophesied in isaiah 53 when it speaks of that day that christ would be born and the things that he would he would find his grave among the rich and also with the these that were malefactors he states another thing concerning christ he said neither was any deceit Neither was any deceit found in his mouth. There's no false information. There's no falsified information that will be found in his mouth. And so as we consider this this morning, we, we can begin to see then how appalling it is for a false witness to speak lies about another individual who the Bible says is made after the similitude of God, amen, whenever there is the faithful and the true witness that stays, stays resolute, stays, uh, the word I'm looking for, I can't find it, but he stays honest and true to his truthfulness and to his faithfulness. And so such activity of being a false witness goes against the very nature of God. And so I don't want to put myself in a place I don't want to put myself in a position that I am living a life that is a lie that's going against the very nature of who I want to be like. That don't, that don't make good sense. That don't even make good sense. But the second reason why 
the Lord may despise this or hate this as again, and this is an important one, that this, this tool, if I call it a tool, I really don't know what to call it, but this ploy of a false witness was used in an attempt to charge Jesus Christ in a court of law to put him on the tree at Calvary. Matter of fact, the first use of the word witness or testimony in the New Testament scripture is in the context of it being used for the false witnesses that came to trial against Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I could stop right there and go no further. That's not small then upon by the Lord when a false witness was the one that was trying to be used to bring a false charge against the only begotten son, if you will. Amen. It's not smiled upon by the Lord. The Bible says, and look at it here, Matthew 26 and verse 59. The Bible says, now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus. Now here's, here's, here's where the rubber really meets the road. We know that they had already made a pact with Judas that if he could show them the one that Jesus was, they'd handle this business of bringing to court. What happens right here in Matthew is very similar, very similar in a certain degree what happens with Daniel. And that is the elders and the priests and all this, they could not find a legitimate charge against the Lord. That would be negative. And so when you can't charge somebody through something that they have done incorrect negatively, the next step is charge them falsely. And so we see in this instance a false, they seek a false witness because the witness of the Lord is true. You know, it kind of is a little scary then that if we resort to false witness, we resort to false witness concerning our neighbor. Is it sometimes perhaps we're having a hard time to hang our hook on something negative in their life? And had the tables been turned and Jesus being capable of charge some of the elders and some of the priests, he wouldn't have to make anything up. But they're coming with a... So they sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. I mean, they're not looking at just prosecution here. They're looking at death. Verse 60, but found none. But found none. They sought everybody they seek it. They found none. Yet though many witnesses came, false witnesses for that matter, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none and then at last it says two false two false witness at last came two false witnesses and it even bears out if you read the rest of the story even what they laid to his charge was not what was used against him but it was his own words that they used in a twisted type form that they used against him saying that he blasphemed amen even judas his kiss in the garden was a false witness. Judas's kiss upon Jesus' face in the garden was a false witness. That kiss that was known as a means of affection or a means of friendship. Friends, all times in that culture, greeted each other. You hear it in Scripture with a holy kiss. 
And it was a means of friendship. But as Judas was laying that gentle kiss on the side of the Savior, he wasn't denoting friendship in that moment. It was a false witness about their present relationship. He wasn't denoting friendship. He was identifying who Jesus was for the rulers and for the scribes and for everything that they were scheming. So even Jesus even emphasizes the, the falseness or the falsity of Judas's actions by the way that he addressed Judas whenever he came to him. Because Judas laid that kiss on his cheek and Jesus says, friend? He said, friend? He said, wherefore art thou come? Jesus knew, but he was just underscoring in Judas's mind, what you're doing right now is a false witness, boy. You're coming to me as friend, he said, but we know why you are here. We know why you are here. And so a false witness placed Jesus in the hands of the, of the rulers and in the hands of the scribes. And, and the interrogation of many false witnesses caused Jesus again for him to say something that his accusers just twisted it, shaded it in just the right way, took it out of context in order to incriminate the Lord. And so God despises a false witness that speaketh lies because that was the very thing that was used against Jesus Christ or tried to be used Jesus Christ in the New Testament scripture so you don't want you don't want to folks you do not want to join the group of the scribes and the Pharisee you don't want to join their group by being a false witness because whenever you become a false witness you might as well be encircled in the same group that tried to put the Lord on the cross by a false witness amen no smile he don't smile upon that third thing why God despises or hates or possible reason why again it's an outright disobedience to the law of God the moral law of God listed among the Ten Commandments I believe it's the ninth if you were to list them in order was thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor the Bible says in John 14 and verse 15 the Bible says Jesus says if you love me Keep my commandments. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 2, 1 John 5, 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. <laughs> when we love God and keep his commandments. Here's something interesting. A false witness breaks the two great commandments that New Testament scripture bears out. Whenever that lawyer comes to the Lord, he hears all these commandments. Which ones are the greatest? He says, well, it's are these. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Huh? And here, the second is like, it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Upon those two hang all the laws and the prophets. A false witness breaks the two commandments of God with the one deed. Because in the moment that you bear a false witness against your neighbor, you're not loving your neighbor. And by disobeying that command, he says, you love me if you keep them. So if you don't, you must hate me. So in that one false witness, you've broken the two commandments on which all the others saying of loving God and loving your neighbor whenever you false witness about another individual. Amen. The Bible says, Romans 13 and verse number 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. See, all this pertains to your neighbor. 
Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So he hates a false witness. He hates a false witness. Because when you do it, you're not loving your neighbor. And by breaking that, you're not loving him. Amen. Number four, you're acting like the devil. You're acting like the devil. Let's follow it again. Pride, remember? Lucifer in the heavens, archangel. Pride, I will be like the most high. I will, I will, the five I wills of Isaiah there. And he was cast down. Pride made an angel, a fallen angel. Pride made an angel, a devil, threw him out of heaven. Satan then also in Genesis, first one to ever lie in the scripture. Toad evil, ye shall be as gods. Huh? Toad or you will not surely die. Huh? Lying in the Bible. Amen. There's no truth in him, New Testament scripture says. He's the father of lies. Huh? Remember? And so there it is. Pride, mean, you're acting like the devil. Lying, acting like the devil. Revelation 12, 10. Look at the last phrase. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. That's speaking of the devil. That's speaking of Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. Now listen to me. Based upon the scripture from last week that says there's no truth in him. If there's no truth in him, he can't but give a false accusation. Since there's no truth in him, he can't be anything but a false witness. Someone say amen. His accusations are false. Oh, but Brother McGee, he's brought things up from my past that I did do. That was absolutely true. He's brought things up from my past. Maybe so, friend, but he's a false witness in this respect. Because since that's already forgiven and that's already under the blood, that no longer has any hinging on your life. So he's still a false witness. He's still a false accuser. You say it was, yeah, it was true, but it's no longer true. That may be who you were, but that's not who you are. Did they happen? Absolutely so. Absolutely. You know, in our real world today, a person cannot be tried for the same offense twice. That's called double jeopardy. You hearing me? Can't be tried for the same offense twice after a verdict has been given because that is called double jeopardy. Whenever Christ went to the cross, he tried your sin. When Christ went to the cross, the punishment, the sentence was given on him for your sin. And so whenever the Satan tries to bring that back up, he's trying to try it for the second time. Honey, it's already been tried. He's a false witness, a false accuser. As much as we rejoice over that, that's right, he's a false. If we practice false witnessing, you're acting like the devil. Let's even look at through the eyes here of the way the enemy works. If you try to bring up somebody's past that God already gave them redemption over. 
you acting like the devil. Uh. So he hates that. Hates that. And isn't it amazing that even a false witness of the adversary keeps people on pins and needles? Him constantly bringing something up that's already been decided. False. And you stir up in, in respect some of the same feelings. Whenever you're bringing false information into the life of your brothers and sisters. Now, true, I feel the Holy Ghost here. A witness, a witness is one who has firsthand knowledge. When we talk about false witness, we talk about even the commandment, the ninth commandment in Exodus 20 primary spot where that that was relevant was in judicial proceedings that's really where where that that whole context of that is really in judicial proceedings in the old testament the whole idea of having out of the mouth of two or more witnesses letting every word be established that's really in the context of judicial hearings i know we flippantly say it during preaching sometime for this that and everything but sometimes we're out of context context when we say that because it was really judicial hearings if you will go with me to deuteronomy chapter 19 and brother zach these scriptures i have in deuteronomy 19 we're kind of going there and then we're departing hitting a few more scriptures and so they're not just all together right now okay they're interspersed amen deuteronomy 19 this is concerning this is concerning false witness this was concerning how do you handle a false witness bible says one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin. He said, not one witness shall not in any sin that he sinneth. It says, at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. So again, there must be at least two, even three witnesses to be brought against someone concerning iniquity or sin in order for there to be any legitimacy to what was being said. And God would, and the judges there would determine their judgment against someone, not at the mouth of one. That was never enough. It would not do it at the mouth of one, but two or three, and that are two or three with harmony in their reports. Huh? That's two or three with harmony in their reports according to the integrity of their report. In other words, if you had one saying this and another one saying that and there's not harmony, there's not going to be a judgment concerning that matter. All right? Because there had to be harmony in their reports. Well, wouldn't that be good to handle things around here? Because a lot of times we just hear what one person says. And we allow what one person says strike to the very core of our being. And accept their false witness. Or somebody else accepts the false witness. Did you know so and so did such and such? Oh really? All you got is one witness. Years ago, well since I've been here, I had somebody come to me concerning someone that was in leadership at that time in the church that was practicing doing something they come and told me 
You know what I did? I took it and I wrote it down. Didn't do nothing about it. That was one witness. Weeks went by. I had someone totally different from that person come and tell me the exact same thing that this person was practicing. I wrote it down. Didn't do nothing. A few other weeks went down. I had a third person come to me, and all of their stories were in harmony. You know what I got? The truth. Amen. I had... I had the truth. Now, now let's go on a little bit. Now, for instance, like whenever the ruler saw a false, a false witness against Jesus, the Bible says that many came, many false witnesses came, because, of course, it would, t- would have taken more than just one to convict Jesus Christ of anything, any wrongdoing. But the malady of their situation, Mark 14, 56, tells us is this. And it's what I just told you. The Bible says their witness agreed not together. The false witnesses that they had, the accusations that they had coming against the Lord, they, they weren't telling the same story against him. And so they didn't have an agreement together. They couldn't condemn. They couldn't condemn in the Old Testament, for that matter, in the two. New, they couldn't condemn anyone at the mouth of one witness. It had to be two or three witnesses. And I think it's important. It had to be, it had to be two to three eyewitnesses. Not ear witnesses. Because ear witnesses might be misinformed by an eyewitness. Well, I heard. Were you there? No, but I heard. You might have heard from a false witness. That's right. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. (laughs) Oh, boy. Ain't that right? So they may have been misinformed. So look at verse 16 of Deuteronomy. We're in Deuteronomy. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. If a false witness rise, then that person in whom they are given this witness against in this controversy, they're going to come before the judgment court. The Bible says, Psalms 35 and 11, false witnesses, David, he understood this. He understood that false witnesses rose up, and it still happens today, sadly. But he said, false witnesses did rise up. He said, and they laid to my charge things I knew not. (laughs) He said, they talked about things I didn't know about. He said, so I have a controversy. I got a bone to pick with these false witnesses because they are charging me with things I didn't even do. For that matter, I didn't even know anything about. Matter of fact, I have the slightest idea what they're talking. Anybody ever been there? Huh? Anybody ever hear, heard a report come back to you, something you did or something you said, and you're like, I have the slightest idea what they're talking about. I don't, I don't know anything about that. How is it that that can be the case? And then we'll still accept the false witness because we are in a so mistrusting society that we would believe that the person that says, I have no idea even about that is probably lying more than telling the truth. Amen. Verse, verse 18 of Deuteronomy, Brother Zach, the Bible says, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition 
And behold, if the witness be a false witness and have testified falsely against his brother. <laughs> In other words, when we hear something about a person, rather than taking it as truth, especially when you got one witness, rather than taking it as truth, we should diligently search out the matter before we give our judgment on the legitimacy of what was said. He says, so if I got one, he said, we're going to look into this diligent inquisition. We're going to inquire here and see if this thing is false that they've said or see whether or not it is true. In other words, I'm not going to say, oh, did you know about so-and-so and say, oh, really? And take that to the bank. <laughs> we need to get to a place that whenever something like that is spoken, that seems to be left field out of character and be a defamation of character or who that person is. We need to come to a place that we will doubt it before we believe it. Mm -hmm. Verse 19, Brother Zach. Then shall ye do unto him. <laughs> now this isn't in force anymore, but this is the way it used to be handled. Then shall ye do unto him. Him who? The false witness. As he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. Skip down to verse 21. Look what it says. This is how it went. That due to him what he thought. An eye shall not pity. But life shall go for life. Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. Hand for hand. Foot for foot. In other words. If a false witness was brought against somebody. And the judgment was given upon them. According to the false witness. And the punishment was then you're going to lose an eye as a result of that. If the false witness was discovered, rather, rather than this guy get the eye plucked out, the false witness got the eye plucked out. If because of his false witness, this guy was going to lose his life, he was going to be, he was going to be termed to loss of life, and the false witness was found out, the false witness would lose his life. Huh. Huh. Who wants to go tell something about their neighbor now? Let's bring it back into the modern day courts. There was somebody wagging a tug on somebody else. If they're found out, if you were supposed to lose an arm, you get your arm gone. If they were supposed to pay a $55,000 charge, you pay it. Someone say amen. I believe Solomon had this whole aspect in mind when he wrote in the Proverbs, Proverbs 19 and verse 5. And he writes again in this same chapter, verse number 9. But he says this. He says, a false witness shall not be unpunished. And he that speak of lies shall not escape. In verse 9, he says, he shall perish. And although false witnesses, of course, are not dealt with in the same manner today, I know, according to God's word, they're not going to go unpunished. Whether it happens in their lifetime or whether it happens because of unrepentance in day of judgment. It will not go unpunished. Now, think here with me for a moment. Even if there isn't any type of repercussion suffered by the victim of a false witness. Beyond just having false words spoken. 
False words alone are very injurious. False words alone are very wounding. I said a long time ago, you know, there's the old phrase us as kids used to quote it, especially it was a way, it was a mechanism to protect ourselves. Back in those days, they didn't have all this bullying stuff. You could be really mean in school. And so uh, to protect ourselves with words and stuff that we'd say, sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. But that's not true. That's biblically false. Job admitted that they broke him in pieces with his words. In Job 19 and 2, he's speaking to Bildad, the Shuite, and he said, how long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? So even a false witness, if there's no other spin tell event that, that happens that brings problem for you and it was just false words that are spoken, that is still very injurious to whoever's the victim of those things. And Proverbs number 6, our scripture text, Proverbs number 6 even tells us that this naughty, this wicked person says that that person will be met with calamity. It will happen suddenly. It will come suddenly upon him. And that he will experience a brokenness that cannot be remedied. These things don't go unpunished. And look again in Deuteronomy at verse number 9. It says, by all of this, when we've done all this, he says, put the evil away from you. Put the evil away from you. In other words, you must purge the evil. You must purge the false witness from your midst. Modern day, what that means for us is this. We're not getting rid of no false witnesses. They need Jesus. Amen. But what that means is this. When a false witness comes wagging their tongue, don't give it the time of day. Don't pay attention. Don't pay attention. A good practice is to counterbalance what you know for sure is false words. Counterbalance that negative with something positive you know about the person. If they come and say, well, did you know so-and-so? And you know they're lying through their teeth. You talk about, I tell you what, they're a pretty good person. Last week I seen them do such a... You counterbalance that with something positive. Because I guarantee you, if you start speaking positive about the same person they're trying to speak negative about, it won't be long. They'll shut their trap. Verse 20, just to finish up the Deuteronomy passage here. Verse 20 says, And those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among them. In other words, the practice they had of one losing an arm or a tooth or that type of thing, it made all the others that may potentially become false witnesses. You know what? I just don't really think I'm going to do that sort of thing. (laughs) Amen. In the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, Jesus tells his disciples, they, you know, blessed are they which do mourn, or blessed which they that are peacemakers, so they shall see God. Blessed are they, blessed are they, or happy are they. In those is happy or blessed when men shall say all manner of evil against them. Matthew 5 and verse number 11, the Bible says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner, he's speaking to his disciples, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In other words, you know what Christ telling his disciples here? He said, blessed are you when people speak falsely of you. He says, a child of God 
He said, may be the victim of this, but they shouldn't be the perpetrator of it. He said, you may be the victim, but you don't need to be the one doing it. Mm-hmm. And so all these things, and this quite, this quite gives contrast to the false witness. Amen. Quite, quite contrast because those who are the victim of it, notice what he says. He said, you might be spoken falsely against. He said, but you're going to be exceedingly glad and your reward's going to be great in heaven. But if you're the perpetrator of being a false witness, you're going to have sudden calamity come upon your life and you're going to be broken without remedy. Now, which side of that fence do you want to be on? Huh? Do you want to be the false witness or do you want to be the one that every once in a while falls victim to it? I really don't want to be both, but if I'm going to be the victim, be rewarded in heaven when it's all said in, then praise God, I'd much rather be the one, the victim of it, than the one that's perpetrating it. Amen. I'd rather be on side with the Lord than be against him. Perhaps one of the most, and I, I'm really supposed to be closing, but that's all right. I'm not. Perhaps one of the most repulsive acts, because we're not having service tonight. You understand that? One of the most repulsive acts of a false witness that's found is in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 21. The Bible says there is a wicked king by the name of Ahab. He is the king over Israel. He goes by a man's vineyard who is Naboth, which is set against his palace, which is nigh and near to his palace. And Naboth is there. He has, he has this vineyard. It's something that's been passed down to him from his father and his father before him as land normally was. It was perpetual inheritances for their family, a family heirloom, this vineyard. And Ahab being king asked Naboth if he would sell his vineyard to him. I'll give you anything you want for that vineyard. I really want it. But Naboth said, no, this is the place of my father's sepulchers. This has been handed down to me from generation. I'm keeping my vineyard. Well, that didn't set too well with Ahab. And he started being down and milly mouth all right. He started pouting. And he was married to Jezebel, which was a pagan lady, not of the truth of Israel, a pagan lady. He was pouting, and Mama says, what's wrong, honey? Well, you know, I'd really like the vineyard over there of neighbors. But he said, no. Oh, baby, I'll get that vineyard for you. And the Bible says she sought out some witnesses. False witnesses. The Bible says they were the son of Belial. If you'll remember in our Proverbs study where we looked at the naughty, wicked man, we come to understand the meaning of that is that he was a man of Belial. She sought out some men of Belial that gave false testimony against Naboth. What they reported, and she found two of them. See, she knew the law of Israel. She wasn't just going to find one because that wouldn't stand in court. So she found two false witnesses that would harmonize in their witness against him. And they did so, and the Bible says as a result of it, Naboth was executed, which in my opinion was absolute murder because it was falsely. He was murdered huh? because of two witnesses that could agree in a false manner. Woo! And that's how then, how Proverbs 25, 18 tells us that false witness, whenever you practice that, that's like a maul or a sword or a sharp arrow. It is detrimental to those who are on the receiving end of it. You can stand with me and I'll land the plane. Something that we kind of really picked up on last week concerning these things. 
you know, the proud look, lying tongue, false witness, speak of lies, all these you know, body members that are involved, yet at the core of it all, and it's revealed there in the scripture, we'll get it to eventually in this series, all these things point and are connected back really to an element, and that element is the heart of man. The Bible says in Matthew 15, 19, it says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And the list goes on. Once again, just like lying, just like pride for that matter, a false witness in essence proceeds, finds its place of origin out of the heart. And most, if not all of these in Proverbs are items that stem from the heart. They are issues of the heart. And so my plea with you today to refrain from being a false witness isn't just about shutting your mouth, although that's a really good start. It's not about just shutting your mouth. It's about allowing the integrity of your heart to increase. Because that's where it proceeds from. Because my experience in life is this. We only do so good about keeping our mouth shut for so long. Take the innocence of a child and tell them one, two, three, quiet mouths. And honey, you'll find out. We only do so good to keep our mouth shut for so long. Go to any event where you're not supposed to be talking and supposed to be paying attention. To hear the words of somebody talking in that audience because we are only so good about keeping our mouth shut for so long. So that's not real where the real where the real thing can be uh, uh, prevented. It's coming right back here. The heart. Because if we get the heart where it needs to be, our speech will be clear, be wholesome, be godly, won't be in contrast, amen, to the master. Hallelujah. Can we just bow our heads in this place today? False witness God, God hates. It's an abomination to him. It's an abomination to him. And just over the things this morning that we viewed, it's an abomination to him because he and his nature is true. It's an abomination to him because it was one of the aspects. A false witness was what was tried to be used against Jesus to take him to Calvary, to be executed. It's against him because it is absolutely just right out disobedience to the law and it doesn't just break the loving the neighbor part but the loving God and neighbor part in just one act and lastly you're acting like the devil you're acting like the devil like acting like the accuser that we know that has no truth in him so absolutely false accuse acting like the accuser of the brethren folks I don't want sudden calamity I don't want I don't want brokenness without remedy upon my life but I would like that reward he talked about I would like that reward in heaven. I would like that. I don't want to stand in opposition to the Lord. I want to stand in harmony with him. I want to stand in concert with him, in agreement, in agreement with him. I wish this morning if we could just talk to God right from wherever our seat is this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you. 
and have a blessed day.